Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Uh, Take your Bible and turn with me, first of all, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, I've got a teaching message tonight. A lot of of things that I want to get across and I think can be a help to us in understanding what we're doing here. Why are, we, why are we interested in missions and specifically from the standpoint of what is Faith Promise Missions? I decided several years ago that I was too old to mess with things that weren't biblical. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. And I want to know in the 21st century that I'm doing what the Lord told the church in the first century to do. And I think if we stick with God's methods, uh, we will find that God knew what he was talking about then and God knows what he's talking about now and can bless those efforts. So I want to speak to you for a few moments. That's a lie. I want to speak to you for a lot of moments tonight on why we use faith promise Why is faith promised practical? Let's begin our reading in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Let's pray. Father, give us wisdom tonight. And when I ask for wisdom, I ask for the help of your Holy Spirit. Nothing in me is wise enough to teach your scriptures. We need the help and direction of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would teach us truth tonight. And as the Holy Spirit reveals truth from his word, may we respond appropriately with a desire to be obedient. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Faith promise, if you go look in your Bible for that concept, you know what? You won't find it. There is not in the Bible something that says every Baptist church, every Bible-believing church ought to use faith promise. That does not mean that the concept of faith promise is not in the Word of God. Let me trace that for you a little bit. Why do we use the words faith promise? Well, if we had time, I would love to study the book of Acts from chapter 1 
all the way through the end and just show you the gospel and missions in action. We don't have that time. But in the book of Acts, we see that after their initial wanting to stay in Jerusalem, <clears throat> the church became incredibly active in taking the gospel to their then known world. However, after we leave the gospel, I, or after we leave the book of Acts, I don't want to suggest that missions efforts disappeared, but for many years they lagged and there was not the great missions effort that we saw in the first century, certainly during the dark ages when the word of God was taken out of the hands of men. Um, there was a Roman Catholic effort to spread Catholicism across the world, but there wasn't uh, the same zeal for biblical missions that there had been. Well, along came the Great Awakening, and with the Great Awakening came a desire for missions endeavors to reach the world once again. And uh, early in the 1800s, mid-1800s, a man named Dr. A.B. Simpson, you've probably heard that name, he founded the great Christian Missionary Alliance movement. You and I would not agree with every doctrine of the CMA, the Christian Missionary Alliance, but I will tell you this, they had an amazing zeal to reach the word with world with the truth of the gospel. And they did a fantastic job. And Dr. Simpson called their effort Faith Promise, I'm sorry, Faith Pledge Missions. And they raised a lot of money, they sent a lot of missionaries, and they made a lot of converts, and God blessed them for it. Well, that mission and that movement continued, and about uh, 30, 40 years later, Dr. Oswald Smith, who pastored the great People's Baptist Church, People's Church in Toronto, much more Baptistic than was the CMA movement, he came along and he too understood the need to reach the world with missions, but he knew that Baptists had a fatal flaw. We don't like the word pledge because pledge indicates we're going to check up on you. Pledge indicates that you are signing a card, pledging this, and we just don't like that kind of accountability because we sincerely believe that the right hand doesn't need to know what the left hand's doing. We sincerely believe that it's personal, it's not hierarchical, it's not you responsible to a, a board or a chairman or a pastor in the sense of what you give us between you and God. And so for the first time in 1920, Dr. Oswald Smith said, we're going to reach the world, but we're not going to use faith pledge missions. We're going to use faith promise missions. First time the word was ever used. It was tremendously successful. And all across the globe, evangelical churches, churches like ours, churches like this, picked up that phrase, <clears throat> and more importantly than the phrase, picked up the program. So, preacher, are we using a man-made program? And what I would suggest to you is no, we are not using a man-made program. 
we may be using a name that a man came up with, but as we study the word tonight, what I want you to see is that it is a biblical concept, and I was taught by a man named Dr. John Halsey. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Dr. John Halsey. He is, to me, he is in heaven now, but he was the greatest mind on missions giving of anyone I had ever met. And he directed me to chapter 9 and verse 8, which we'll take as our text. And he said, Mike, what really is taking place in faith promise missions is God's promise about grace giving. And perhaps the most accurate title of what we do, I'm not condemning the title Faith Promise Missions. I used it for 37 years and I use it today. But I believe the concept is in verse 8. Let's reread it. God is able. Do you believe that? I do believe that. God is able. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Why? That ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And this entire chapter is in the context of missions. What is God saying? God is saying His heart is to win the world. And He is saying when we want to be in line with His heart, His passion, that His promise to us is that He will be, He will, He is able to make us abound now, let me stop and say, he doesn't talk about what our present situation is. He doesn't say, I will make you affluent. He doesn't say that. He says that he is able to make us abound, having all sufficiency in all things to abound to every good work. God does not make us affluent so that we can give a little bit to some what we deem good work and spend the rest upon ourselves, that's not God's promise. God never promised anybody, you're going to get rich if you practice grace giving or faith promise. What God says is when your heart is in tune with my heart, whether you are affluent or poor, whether you are on a growing income or on a fixed income, I am able. Able to what? I am able to make you abound. I am able, God says, to make you able. I am able to provide you sufficient so that you can abound to every good work. Now, what I want to spend the next few minutes trying to do is why is that practical? Why does every person in this room, every member of this church, need to passionately and purposely involve themselves in this program of grace giving where we line our passions with God's passion, we give our heart to what God has given His heart to, and then experience what God does, that God is able to make us able. 
that regardless of where we start, God is sufficient to allow us to have, to give to every good work and to abound in doing so. I want you to notice what is God doing in that. Why should we be involved in faith promise? Number one, it's biblical. It's biblical. I want you to note the church at Philippi for a few moments. Turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. We'll come back there. But just for a moment, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. And we'll try to uh, discern some truth from here. Let's begin reading in verse 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye only. What a wonderful commendation of the church at Philippi. Can I remind you of how the church at Philippi was founded and and in, in what stress and crisis it was founded? And we go from the scene of of casting out a demon and we go to the scene of imprisoned and singing at midnight and God sends an earthquake. By the way, I never want God to provide the solution for me and the solution be an earthquake when I'm underground, okay? But God sends an earthquake and uh, Paul and Silas, of course, are singing praises. The jailer stays. The jailer and his family get saved. And a wonderful church is founded in Philippi. And that church, in all of the stress of its beginning, it, it's a heart, it's a church with a heart for God. And they, when they see Paul ministering in the way that he ministered there, you know what their first reaction was? We want to be part of that work, Paul. We want to help you do in other places what you did here. Boy, they had really had changed lives. They had really experienced the grace of God. Can I also remind you of this? They were not wealthy people. They were not affluent people. Lydia was. I assure you the jailer wasn't. And they were not wealthy people, but they wanted to be involved in the work. And they were the first church that began to support Paul. We have a false notion in our mind. I wish I had four hours tonight to teach. I get excited about this. You didn't say amen when I said four hours, so I assume I don't have four hours. I get excited about this, though. We have this false notion that Paul was always bivocational, that he always went and preached, but he always made tents so as to never have to receive an offering from others. That is not true. That is patently not true. He most certainly was willing to be bivocational, and he certainly did at times do that in relation to Corinth because he knew that that Corinth was a special case. He had to be very careful there. But the majority of time in Paul's ministry, he was not bivocational. He sought support from churches. I could take you to the book of Romans. I could... There is a key word in the book of Acts. It is the Greek word propimpo. 
and it means very literally to outfit for a journey, to set up for a journey. And repeatedly, Paul goes to church after church and they bring him on his journey, brought him on his journey. He goes to the church at Rome and says specifically to the church at Rome, I'm coming to visit you because I want to impart some spiritual gift, but my purpose in coming to you is that you can brought me on my way to Spain. Now, what's he mean by that? I want you to carry me to Spain? No, I want you to support me to go to Spain. The, the Suglios being here tonight are a biblical model. They're asking for support. That's a biblical model. It is what Paul did in the first century. And this church at Philippi was one of the first churches that said, Paul, we want to make you able to do what you did here in other cities all across the globe. Let's pick up our reading. So, verse 16. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. I mean, they were under the burden to help him. Notice this. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Do you know why the Suglios are here tonight? Because they want to get rich off of you. That's just not true, is it? And by the way, I have been preaching missions, working with mission boards, and working with missionaries for 45 years. I ain't met a rich one yet, okay? I'm sure out there there are scoundrels. I'm sure there are those who take advantage of churches and believers. Not our kind. Do you know how difficult it is to come before a group of people and say, will you help us? That's not even our nature. They're not here for the gift. They are here because God has called them to start churches. And I want you to notice this, that their real desire is not a gift, but desire fruit that may abound to your account. That is a true principle in the scriptures, that when we give to missionaries and they go do the work that God has called them to do in the place that he's called them, by the way, they, it is not their responsibility to start churches in Ohio. It's church's responsibility to start churches in Ohio. It's, it's not a missionary in the Philippines' responsibility alone to win Filipino souls to the Lord. It's churches like Grace Baptist Church that are commissioned to reach the world. And what God does is call individuals who then come to us and say, I want to go, I'm, I, I want to be your deputy in that place. We call it deputation. And we want to deputize that person to go in the place of Grace Baptist Church because God's called them to do that. We support them. They win Filipinos to Christ, and that is fruit to our account. I'm not trying to be silly when I illustrate this, but I fully expect when I get to heaven to, to be standing praising the Lord or or fulfilling whatever course God has for me to do in heaven. And, and I fully expect a, a Kenyan uh, who was a Kenyan on earth, or a Ugandan, or a Chinese man, or woman, or child, to come up and say, hey, thank you. 
because I'm here because your church and your people trusted the Lord to make them sufficient unto all good works. And I, I know there were times they didn't know where they were going to replace it with, but they gave it and the missionary came and I got saved and it is fruit that abounds to our account. That's not a myth. That's not a fantasy. That's going to be real in heaven. And there ought to be a desire in our hearts to participate in that. Let's go on. Paul says, But I have all and abound. I am full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice. Oh, underline that in your Bible. A sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Again, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but I am telling you God loves sacrifice. God loves hearts who see a need and decide to deny themselves to meet the need of someone else. And when these mission checks get written or when our offering goes in, I'm not trying to be silly. I'm just telling you from a room like this or an offering box, wherever it is, there, there is an odor that goes up to the Lord and it is pleasing to him. It is acceptable to him because he looks into the heart of Mike Edwards and he realizes that, that the Mike Edwards that he saved uh, is different than the one that wasn't saved because he lived for himself and loved himself and cared only for himself. But after he got saved, he, he started caring about others and he started putting some money in the offering plate so that others could be helped Others could hear the gospel. And he thinks that about you. And, and when he sees that willingness to sacrifice, that's an acceptable thing to him. That's a pleasing odor to him. God loves the heart that is willing to sacrifice. Now, I want you to notice verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We love that verse. That verse has been perhaps the most cross-stitched verse other than as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. That, that verse has been put on more wood planks and more wood plaques and adorns more walls. And, and it is true. It is a true verse. But can I tell you, context is important in the Bible and the context is a missions gift. The context of Philippians 4.19 is a church that has sacrificially given and sent the offering to Paul so that Paul could preach and be sustained. And they've done it once and twice and more than twice. And they've given so that Paul could preach in this city and that city. And God specifically, when he sees the heart that gives in that way, says, wow, you won't lack 
I will meet your need. And when we start putting that with verse 8, now God is able. He's able to make us abound. He's able to make us sufficient. When we see Philippians 4.19 in response to those who helped Paul, who said, listen, I'll meet your need according to his riches and glory. I'm just telling you, it's, it's foolish not to be involved in missions giving. We're not seeing all that God could do in our lives. I'm just saying this to you, that giving so that others can go and preach the gospel in places that we cannot go ourselves is absolutely biblical. That's why we ought to be involved. Here's number two. We ought to be involved in it because it allows churches and Christians to experience the power of God. It allows churches and Christians as individuals to experience the power of God. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm not going to reread it for the sake of time, but I'd sure like to. Again, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. I am not positive that what I'm going to tell you is true, but I read it on the internet, so it must be. I read an interesting statement that at any given time, we only use 16% of the ability of our brains to process. Now that's you, for me it's down around 8%, okay? I don't know if that's true, but I certainly would, I don't know what the percentage is, but I would say probably we don't use all that is available to us. And, and here's the truth, that's probably true in, an, in a lot of areas of life, and I think it's probably true especially in our faith towards God in giving for missions. I'm simply saying that when God says He's able to make all grace abound towards us, He means it. And yet we live so timidly that we rarely put God to the test in doing that. I thought all my life, and I've heard all my life, Oh, Pastor, don't encourage your people to give to missions because if they start giving to missions and get excited about missions, oh, you're going to watch your general fund drop. Well, they'll give to missionaries, but they'll quit giving to the general fund. I want you to know what my experience is. That ain't true. I know it's bad English, but it's great preaching. All right. That is not true. As a matter of fact, the testimony of pastor after pastor after pastor is that when people get excited about what God is excited about in missions, they give and both rise. I've preached Faith Promise for many, many years, and, and uh, uh, every year I had a similar experience. Uh, one man or one woman, one family would get a hold of it, and they would just purpose in their hearts, okay, we're, we're going we're gonna to give to missions, and we don't know. We're going to make sacrifices. We just don't know what God is going to do, but, but we're going to do it. We're going to commit to it. And I want you to remember that that word able, according to Mr. Strong, means to be possible. And they start giving, and, and you know what they find out with God? That when you're obeying God and trusting God, God makes it possible. And year after year, they would come to me maybe a month or two months or three months later, and the conversation would always start out this way. Preacher, you're not going to believe this. And I say, nope, probably won't. They'll say, 
we made that commitment to give to missions and and boy we were doing without and doing but then God gave and you finish the sentence in a hundred different ways God increased their supply maybe God uh, gave them wisdom and discernment in how to decrease their spending Sometimes God just gives us wisdom to be better stewards. Sometimes He just gives us grace to be willing to sacrifice. Did you know it's okay to sacrifice? We've become such a spoiled generation. I'm not talking about you, but in general, our, our, our culture is so spoiled that, that we... We don't think it's ever right. Somehow it isn't God if we have to do without something. I would suggest to you that maybe one of the greatest lessons our generation could learn is how to do without some things. I had parents that came out of the Depression. My mother would bake a potato and wrap it in aluminum foil when she baked it. And when it was done baking, she'd take the foil and save that patch of foil. I told her when, I, when she was in her 70s, I said, 80s, I said, Mother, I'll buy you more foil. I can't throw it away, Mike. I just can't. My father was the same way. I'm not saying I want depression. I'm not saying I want people to do without, but I'm saying it brings a sense of value that maybe our generation has lost. And there are times when it's just okay to look at your kids and say, you know, uh, uh, people need the gospel and we're not going to do this and, and God's going to make it okay. All I'm saying is, is that when we trust God and start giving to what God's heart is so in tune with, God is able to meet our needs. And it is a wonderful walk with the Lord when we see God work in our church and build our church, though we're giving it out. And it's a wonderful thing when God begins to build our lives, our families, when we thought we would do without and we find ourselves richer, if not in $20 bills, we find ourselves richer than we've ever been before in being fulfilled and content and satisfied in what God is doing in our lives. Here's number three. It allows Christians and churches to experience the principles of sowing and reaping from a positive perspective. Look at verse six. Again, this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I am a fundamental Baptist preacher. Can I define that for you? I'm against everything. I don't want anybody anywhere at any time to ever have any fun in all their life, all right? And, and I preach, and sometimes I preach hard, and, and uh, when I get on the thought of sowing and reaping, boy, I'll say, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth. That shall he also reap. And I'll preach it very negatively. But can I remind all of us, it also works positively. It's not just when we sow to the flesh that we reap the flesh. Hey, when we sow to the Spirit and we sow to pleasing the Lord, we reap. 
And, and when we are willing to give to missions and to go beyond in giving to missions, it's amazing how God allows us to reap a wonderful harvest. Great joy, great satisfaction. God is able. Notice with me number four. It's a free will heart offering for all believers. Look at verse 7. Every man, mm. every man, man is not a gender specific uh, man, it means every person, every human being, every person according as he or she purposeth in their heart, mm. so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Every person ought to be prayerful about God, what God wants them to give to missions. Every person. You say, well, preacher, I'm on a fixed income. Every person. Well, preacher, it's really difficult. Every person. Person. That word purposeth means very simply to prioritize. Every person needs to prioritize with whatever they have how they're going to give to God in this matter of grace giving. I can remember often my ushers would come to me on Faith Promise Sunday. We did ours a little bit different. We took it up and... and uh, took it up on one Sunday and, and we had just four days of a missions conference and they would come to me and they'd say, hey preacher, uh, you know, we've got, man, there's just thousands of cards here and some of them for like a penny a month or a nickel a month and how about if we just, we can set those aside and let's deal with the real ones. Preacher, have you ever had that moment where it starts in your feet and works up to your, <laughs> and I, I said, guys, Every card counts. I said, I don't know exactly if you've got my little boy's card at that time. Josh was probably six or seven years old. They got a, an allowance of Baptist preacher's home, so their allowance was uh, might have been as high as 50 cents. And we taught our children to tithe. And then we stood around or sat around that table. We managed to have dinner almost every night together. And as part of our dinner, we would read the Bible together. We'd discuss the Bible. We'd pray over a missionary letter. We'd pray over the needs of that missionary for a whole week. And, and we would talk to our children about some portion of their allowance, of course, had to be tithe, but some portion of their allowance should be given to the Lord. And I've seen my little children go into their class or make sure that they got a faith promise card and write a nickel a week. And I want to tell you, that nickel a week will barely make a dent in nothing except my son's heart. And we discount, we discount as unimportant what those littlest things can do and I said, every, every man can purpose. 
Every card matters. I've had people say, well, we're, we're, we, we can't do it because, or we can't do it. Every purpose can prioritize, every person can prioritize what they want to do in the matter of missions. And then very quickly, it's an offering that proves the individual believer's love for Jesus Christ. Let's skip back a chapter and go back to 2 Corinthians 8. Look at verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. And then he gives an example of sincere giving. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes... He became poor, that ye, through his poverty, might be rich. Whenever I sign Bibles, that's the verse I sign, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, because I can never get over that verse. I can never get over the selflessness of that verse, where Jesus Christ, Creator, God of the universe, gave everything he had, not for some person that loved him, not for some person who was living appropriately, but gave everything for me when I was incredibly unlovely. And he made himself poor for my sake. And I am made rich because of his sacrifice. We're to follow our Savior. You know, I never doubted whether Jesus loved me when I understood the gospel because I saw it in his sacrifice. We live in a generation of people and churches where people sing about love and say they love the Lord. And yet, if we were to test the sincerity of their love, by their willingness to give for others to hear the truth that changed their life, we'd call into question how much they love the Lord. Because sacrifice really is an evidence of the Lord. I don't often preach about fairy tales, but one of my favorite fairy tales is... uh, I've gone blank. Um, I'll tell it. I don't remember the name of it. A young couple gets married, and they are poor, like all of us when we got married, okay? And uh, they don't have anything. Each of them has one prized possession. She has beautiful flowing hair. Oh, He fell in love with that beautiful hair. He has a pocket watch given to him by his grandfather. He doesn't have a chain, can't can't display it, but he's got that pocket watch. And, And boy, they are so in love that they decide they want to sacrifice what is precious to them so that the other can have something wonderful. And so she goes, it was in the day when you could sell your hair for wigs, and I would not make much. She went and got her hair cut and went out and with her hair 
the money she got with her from selling her hair, she went and bought him a beautiful gold chain so that he could wear his pocket watch and that chain and people could see that wonderful thing. He went and sold his gold watch and bought her beautiful gold combs for her hair. Now the part of the story I've never been able to figure out is how she covered her head for long enough to get to Christmas morning, okay? So that he didn't know it. But on Christmas morning, they wake up and they're going to give to each other the most beautiful present they've ever gotten. And, and she comes out and he hands her the beautiful gold combs. And I guess she undoes that scarf and there's no hair to put them in. She hands him that beautiful gold chain, and he, he empties his pocket because he no longer has that gold watch. Now you know it was the worst Christmas they ever had. They got divorced after that Christmas. We know that's not the end of the story, don't we? We know it was the sweetest and most precious Christmas they'd ever experienced together because they knew the love that each had for the other because of the level of sacrifice that was in that place. I think of that woman. Jesus purposely went down to the treasury at the women's court where the benevolent boxes were. And, and oh, he watched them because he wanted to observe people's giving. And there were those who blew trumpets and came with great fanfare and brought large boxes of money and dropped them down those metal flutes into the box. And you were ching, 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 bang. And all the people would ooh and ah. And after all the fanfare was gone, a little old lady came. Nobody cared who she was. Nobody really even noticed her, but Jesus did. And he watched that little lady drop two coins, two mites. Nobody heard them. Nobody think, thought anything of it. And Jesus turned to his disciples. It's amazing to me that Jesus knows what we give. He turns to his disciples and he says, that, that little lady has given more than all the rest because she gave all of her living. How easy it is to give out of our abundance. How easy it is to give that which is convenient and that which is comfort, comfortable. That which we can account for. But Jesus loves sacrifice. Jesus loves when we say, you know what? The cause of God is so great that I'm willing to do without this. Preacher, we just don't have any room. We couldn't give another thing. I remember the last time I ever went into a Starbucks, I swore off of it. I love coffee. I'm not going back in. Because two ladies in front of me bought two of those foo-foo drinks. Grande latte, pumpkinate, sauce. I don't know what they were. And two drinks came to $13.15. And I stood there and I, I thought to myself, those two ladies would not be able to see how they could give anything to missions. I've had people say, preacher, we're overwhelmed with bills. There's nothing, there's nothing that we could cut, cut out of our, our lives. And I, I, every once in a while when I'm in a really mean preacher mood, I'll say, what's your cable bill? 
Let your cable go. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. I'm just saying that, that sometimes we've just got to get on our face before God and say, God, I, I want to care about what you, want to, what you care about. And, and I want to demonstrate in response to what Jesus has done for me. I want to demonstrate how much I love you and, and that I genuinely care about the souls of men that you care about. And that's why we've got to be involved in faith promise. That's why this month is so important in our Christian walk. It's not so that we have a big number at the end of the month and we all pat ourselves on the back. It's because God says to us, hey, this is biblical. And God says to us, this is an opportunity to take a step and by faith trust me. And let me work in your life so that you can see something wonderful. Hey, this is an opportunity to sow spiritually. Hey, this is an opportunity. Are you going to seize the opportunity? You say, preacher, what's the point of your message? To to challenge all of us for the weeks that remain in the month of September to say, Lord, I want to be sacrificial. I, I, I want to be sacrificial in what I give, and I want to see you work in my life. I want to step out and not be timid. I, I, I want to be biblical. I, I just want to be in connection with the cause that is so near to your heart. And that's why Faith promise, grace giving, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Call it what you want. God loves sacrificial giving so that others could hear the truth of the gospel that has so changed our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, help us to see the truth about giving to missions the truth about faith promise, challenge our hearts. Lord, we love you tonight, and we know you love us. And you demonstrated your love towards us by literally making yourself poor for our sakes. I'm not asking anybody to be foolish. I'm not asking anybody to be dramatic just asking people to be open, praying, willing to do without some things, to put the needs of others before their own desires. I think of what Stud said again, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. And these things that we think are so important to hold on to, they're sand in our hands. But souls, the work of the gospel in the hearts of men, it lasts for eternity. So Lord, would you, would you speak to us and touch us? Holy Spirit, would you guide us and may we make decisions that will honor you and please you, 
may our sacrifice be a sweet-smelling savor, acceptable, pleasing in your sight. And then may we walk that great adventure where we see you give back, where we see you make us content and satisfied and fulfilled, all because we gave. So, Father, work. May you be pleased with our choices. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you quietly stand to your feet? We're going to offer a verse of invitation. You do with it what you please. If God has spoken to you, maybe you want to make a way down to the altar, spend a moment at the altar. Maybe you want to kneel at your seat, pray at your seat. I'm not worried about a show. But Lord, I'm open to what you want and I want you to speak to me and I I want you to help me to develop a, a sacrificial heart. God, I've seen truth. Now let me respond to it appropriately. As God works in our hearts, you do what God has told you to do. If you'd like to come, you're welcome at this time to come. God, I want to do what pleases you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.